Hi there, Julie Oliver here. I created this podcast in hopes that by sharing what God is speaking into my life, it'd be a catalyst for whatever he's doing in yours. So wherever you are, know that we're in this together because God has a wonderful life waiting on every one of us. Today is Good Friday. Happy Good Friday. Happy Easter coming up to everybody. And a shout out to all the staff (laughs) and churches prepping for this weekend and families too. But Y'all, there's so much that goes that goes into this. So make sure that you thank your pastor and the teams and the volunteers and everybody who's there setting up this weekend because it is a lot to celebrate this wonderful, wonderful day out of the year. And we just are so appreciative of, of the people that at our church who do the same. So we just want to make sure that you guys reach out to them and just show, show them some love this weekend. But um, today I just want to talk about uh, Good Friday. This day marks three days before Easter when Jesus was crucified. And um, I've just kind of been kind of been thinking about it, meditating on it this morning. And, you know, the name Good Friday, like Good Friday always gave me a twinge of pain when I heard it. Because I, I get it, and I agree with it, and I believe it, that this day was good because of everything Jesus accomplished on the cross. But, you know, associating the word good to a day of so much sacrifice and pain that Jesus endured doesn't seem like it should match up. But again, I know that that's just looking at the surface level, at the natural level and realm of that. Because, you know, when we understand what was really happening, what was shifting in the spiritual realm, there's no other basic term that we have to describe it, but good, you know? So I was about five years old and my family had just moved to a town called Hot Springs, Arkansas, where I uh, grew up the majority of my life. Um, But I was about five years old and we uh, moved there and we were living in an apartment complex. And my aunt, hey, Aunt Tasha, uh, was babysitting me at the time. And we went to explore around the property. You know, sometimes we'll have swimming pools or tennis courts or things like that. But there was a tennis court at this one, and me and my five-year-old excitement ran into the gate, or ran into the court, and the gate door slammed behind me. And it just was like this fence wall that was like, to me, you know, a giant, you know, 100-foot wall. It probably was, you know, maybe 30 feet high, just like a typical tennis court. Uh, But it slammed behind me, and it locked the door. And my aunt was on the other side of it, and I was stuck. And she was babysitting me, so she didn't have a key, so ran to get it. And I freaked out. Like, at first, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm, you know, Miss Independent. I'm here pretending to play tennis with nothing. But there was nobody there, nobody around, completely foreign place to me. Like, I'd never been there before. And after a couple minutes of waiting, which probably seemed like hours to me at the time, was... I just started to panic, like go into total panic attack mode. And I ran to the other side of the fence that was backed up to a highway and was waving like, come help me. Somebody help me. I'm stuck in here. And they're just like waving back like, hey, little kid, you know, playing in the in the court or whatever. I tried to uh, scale the fence. I remember that. And thinking, this isn't going to be good. If I get to the top, how am I going to get over it? And it, you know, really was like 20 to 30 feet or something. I was like, I'm just scaling it as a five-year-old. I probably only got like five feet off the ground, uh, if that. But it just was, it was funny to me looking back on it, how much like fear took over me at, the, at in the moment. But my aunt, I knew, looking back, said, I'm going to go get a key from the front office. Stay here. I'm going to go get it. 
but I thought I was deserted. In my panic and hopelessness, I didn't understand that my aunt had left to go do that. She was coming back, but I was stuck in the situation I had gotten myself into and could do nothing but wait. You know, she came back and my life was saved. Obviously, I'm here today to tell the tale, uh, but my trauma remained, you know. Uh, I'm reminded of Romans 8, 28. In the NIV version, it says this, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. The Passion Translation says, We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Basically put, and I love how Chris Vallotton out of Bethel, writing in California Church, uh, says this. He says, if it's not good, then it's not the end. That's what that verse means to me. If it's not good, then it's not the end. If I had paused on that tennis court way back when and understood and believed my aunt when she told me where she was going, I would have had a ton more peace in the process. (laughs) I would have been spared from a lot. But in fear, lack of maturity, and lack of trust, it just tackled me. And even now I think about that story and I remember, do I trust that God has good intentions towards me? When I am stuck in a situation that I may have very well gotten my own self into, do I trust that God is good enough to be patient with me and have mercy with me in the process and bring me towards good? Do I believe that this will not end in my defeat or destruction? Do I really believe God, who he is and what he said over me? I know that everything is going towards goodness. Not everything is good, definitely. We live in a fallen world, but everything will have a purpose that is ultimately good for me, for the world, and for me to come to a deeper understanding of who God is and his power of redemption in my life. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat, the seed, falls to the ground and died, it'll only remain a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He's saying this during Passover leading up to his death and resurrection, readying his disciples for all of it. And what's really interesting to me about the context of this is that earlier in John 12, we get to know the sequel story of Lazarus. You know, in John 11, we get to to hear about the whole process of Lazarus has died. Uh, Jesus waits until four days after he is dead and buried in a tomb to come and do this miracle. And so everybody's grieving, families grieving, people are, you know, grumbling about it like oh does he really can he really do this like he's the guy who healed the other people but is this too big for him like these are people that are close to him that he really cares about like what is he going to do in this situation we get to know the sequel of what happened after that um the prophetic anointing that was uh given by mary onto jesus before his burial was at lazarus's mary's and martha's house which is really cool lazarus is there He's alive and well, and people are believing in Jesus just by him being there, being alive. It's the testimony of his life. So many people, in fact, that the Bible says the Pharisees also plotted to kill Lazarus, too. But now we get to read John 11 and John 12, and in the whole context of the story of Lazarus, we can still empathize with Mary and Martha's grief. It was true, true grief. A family member had passed, but we see the ending So we know that the grief was worth it, that it wasn't for nothing. We can hear the mumbling of people's opinions about it all, but we know the truth. 
We can feel the tension of hope versus defeat, but we know that it's headed towards goodness. Lazarus's life, his sister's process, all of it, was seed and sacrifice for people to see the goodness and the power of God demonstrated through their lives on the earth. So today I'm remembering what Jesus did, that it was the greatest event in human history. Through pain, Jesus chose the cross because he knew that there was life at the end of it. There was goodness at the end, not just for himself, but for his children, for people who are lost and stuck in pain to be able to be healed through him. As he walked towards the cross, he was walking towards goodness, towards victory, the door that would open up redemption for every person in every situation that would believe in him and call on his name. So today, remember on Good Friday, if it's not good, then it's not the end. When Jesus is Lord of your life, we are continually going towards goodness. So happy Good Friday. Happy Easter, everybody. I love you guys. Thank you so much for giving me a couple minutes of your time. Uh, If you're here and you have a couple more minutes, uh, would you mind leaving me a rate and review so this can um, be easily accessible for everybody who searches Julie Oliver here on iTunes. The algorithm, we will defeat it together. So thank you so much uh, for giving me a couple minutes of your time and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.